You know, there's something about holding one of these. You know what this is? Conductor's baton? That was a good guess. Actually, it's a shish kebab thing. (laughs) But I mean for it to be a conductor's baton. That's what I meant for it to be. So you're right, Charlie. Uh, When I was in band as a young man, I was the uh, student conductor. So it's kind of cool. But these batons are important when it comes to music, when it comes to band. Their purpose is to direct the band or the orchestra, of course. And the movement of the baton begins the music. It ends the music. It sets the tempo, the volume. It really is everything to the band member. Let me ask you a question. What instrument do you think takes the most air to play? Tuba, that's a good guess. That's what everybody says. That's wrong. Saxophone takes quite a bit of air, but that's... Huh? Boom, piccolo. Yeah. Second would be flute. You know, flute takes a tremendous amount of air, but the piccolo is like a little flute, and it just takes so much air and wind to be able to play that instrument. Well, the story went that uh, there were three piccolo players in the orchestra, and uh, the second piccolo player was kind of winded, so she decided, you know, I think I'll take a break. I mean, the trumpets were blaring and trombones and sousaphones. It was a fanfare portion of the composition, and there was a first piccolo and a third piccolo. So she thought, you know, I'll just quit playing. So she quit playing for a little while. Nobody will miss that. And the conductor just stops and said, wait a minute, where's the second piccolo? I can't hear the second piccolo. See, here's my point. A great conductor hears every note. How often... Do I think the part I play is so small that no one will miss it? And as a result, I miss out on the calling of my conductor. You know, I brought a few messages to you guys about worship, worshiping God as creator, worshiping in everything that we do. And my heart and your heart are beating for one reason, and it's to worship. And everyone worships. Everyone worships something. They do. Worship is simply devotion to that which we perceive worthy of our devotion. And I've defined what true worship is, and here it is. I want to remind you guys. True worship is an active, it's not passive, it's something that we do all of life, not just when we're in church or in Bible study, all of life response to the worth of who God is and what he does. See, with my mind, I recognize the worth of him. With my heart, it resonates. And then my body reacts to the worth of who he is. But as we've journeyed together, of course, we've been learning that worship is a lot more than just singing. I mean, all of song is worship, but not all of worship is song. And today is about recognizing the privilege extended to us in gathering together with one voice. You know, I talk about worship being all these things that doesn't involve music. Today, I want to bring music into the equation and and just acknowledge how amazing music really is. Music touches each and every one of us in a place that nothing else can, and it moves people. And when we come together and worship God with our voices and through music, it's really special. It's not where we begin worship, but it's where we complete worship for the week. See, our worship all week is very important, but there's something amazing about us gathering together on Sunday, many voices united as one, to acknowledge God's worth through song. And it's a powerful thing. Let me ask you this. When the angels announced Jesus' birth, how did they do it? Song. 
It was done with music, done with song. And when we gather together, we should be ready to sing to God. We should be ready. I mean, we worship Him all week long at work, in the grocery store, soccer fields. But when we gather together on Sunday, we should be ready, ready for the one who has called us. There are few aspects about worship that engage the mind, heart, and body as beautifully and equally as song. When we sing, our mind must engage. Song is intended to reinforce the mind. Think about it. If I asked you what number of the alphabet is the letter E, what would you do? You'd probably go A, B, C, D, E, right? You'd do that. I mean, whoever thought of teaching the ABCs with song was brilliant because song and melody impacts our minds more deeply than just spoken words alone. That's why when a police officer pulls you over and gives you one of those tests, you know, and he says, you know, I want you to say your ABCs, what do they say? They say, don't sing them. You can't sing them. Why? Because anybody teetotally drunk could sing their ABCs. (laughs) Don't ask me how I know that. But uh, song touches us in a place deep in our hearts. Everybody in this room has been moved at some point in your life with music. But it doesn't stop there with just our minds. It impacts our bodies as well. I mean, who has not been moved physically by music? We dance. We snap. And even if we're just listening, our eardrums are vibrating unbelievably. But when I worship God through music, my voice box should be moving as well. Anne Lamott said this, Music is about as physical as it gets. Your essential rhythm is your heartbeat. Your essential sound, the breath. We're walking temples of noise. And when you add tender hearts to this mix, it somehow lets us meet in places we couldn't get to any other way. Well, today I want to take a look at Psalm 96. And Psalms is just a collection of a whole bunch of songs. It's like a CD set of different artists. And in the Psalms, we don't have the music anymore, which is probably a good thing, but we still have the lyrics. And just as a side note, people have been arguing over what style of music we should use in church for centuries, what's appropriate for church, what's not. You know what? God's made it clear just in Scripture that the lyrical content is what's important. The style of music is going to change with culture. And certainly the first church that was birthed in Jerusalem, the music was probably Middle Eastern. We'd probably all go to sleep. Nobody would probably want to worship that way. But it changes. My point is it changes with the culture. There's no right or wrong. But the lyrics are huge because they teach us truth. Psalm 96 is a song of David. He starts it like this. Look at the first word. If you like music, sing to the Lord. No, that's not what it says. Okay, it says, if you're feeling it this week, sing to the Lord. No, it says, if you're having a good week, sing to the Lord. That's what it says, right? You get what I'm getting at? It says what? Sing. Sing. Do you think that's optional? See, this is a command from the Lord. He says, you gather together, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds amongst all the peoples. 
my daughters who are not with me, actually we had our daughters at the house for a few days because they're going to college in North Carolina. Hurricane, they called us up. They said, we got to get off campus. We got to get out of our apartment. So my two daughters and three of their soccer friends, five of them came down for a few days. And uh, we just sent them off this morning back. They're going to have to go around 95 because it's closed. And uh, appreciate your prayers for the Carolinas and their safe travels. But they always just get me when we go to church together. They're like, golly, it's so embarrassing. He sings so loud. You know what I mean? They're always getting on to me about that. They're like, why do you have to blast the notes? They're like, that's weird, Dad. Don't do that. That's weird. It's not really weird. You know what? It's, it's a little weird that when we gather, everyone is not singing the notes. I mean, when I recognize with my mind the worth of who God is, when it resonates in my heart, I can't help but react with my body by singing, declaring God's worth through song. It's an amazing thing. It's almost something beyond description that happens when we gather together to sing songs to God, to bless his name. As I said before, it says sing. You know, the first time I ever taught on this subject, this older lady came forward. She goes, I want to talk to you. She goes, I haven't sang in church for over 10 years. I was amazed. I never noticed, but she goes, I haven't sang because I didn't feel like my voice was good enough. She said, you see, I used to be a professional opera singer, but I had some vocal cord problems and I had an infection and I can no longer sing the way I used to. And then she said, but today you've taught me that it doesn't matter if I have a great voice or not, that I'm singing together. We're coming together and with one voice. We're singing to God. And it's just an amazing thing. I want to share another scripture with you. Psalm 98, 4, 5 says, Shout to the Lord all the earth. Break out in praise and what? Sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp and melodious song. Isaiah 12, 6 says this, Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. You know, whenever I visit another church, maybe not East Point, but when I go visit another church, the pastor will always generally email me and ask me, you know, what did you think about the service? And, you know, you might wonder, well, how do you judge something like that? I mean, how do you tell if a congregation's healthy or not? Well, there are barometers and there are things that you can look at and gauge and that are indicators, you know, of spiritual health. And one of the biggies is how a congregation sings together. And people who get the worth of who God is and what he does, they sing. And it's an amazing privilege that we have. It's really singing, if you think about it, it's a physiological miracle of sorts. It really is. I have a tongue to help me articulate. I have vocal folds. They are tiny. They open and close about 100 times a second when I'm singing. I've got a mouth cavity, sinus cavity, ear cavities, chest cavities with resonators. And when combined, song happens. And it really is a majestic point of creation if you think about God and how he made us and how he gave us music. And as I sing, my eardrums are resonating along with my heart as I recognize the worth of who he is and what he does. Music is a gift from God, and it's a powerful part of worship. Bono from U2 said this, Music is worship, 
whether it's worship of women or their designer, the world or its destroyer, whether the prayers are on fire with dumb rage or dove-like desire, the smoke goes upwards to God or something you replace God with, usually yourself. How often is music a worship of me and my preferences? I remember years back, this young worship leader came to me and he said, I just got a new job at a church and you know, I'm really excited about it. And the church has kind of changed their musical style. They were very traditional with a lot of hymns. They hired this young kid. He came in with a band and all of a sudden they're rocking. He goes, but I'm having a problem. And I go, what's the problem? He goes, with one of the elders in the church... Every time we start playing, he sits in the front row and he turns his back to us during the whole worship service. I said, that's one of your elders? He said, yeah. I go, you know, you need to have a talk with him. A lot of times we just want to do what we want. And we aren't willing to embrace something new or something that maybe more people might embrace. Long story short, the young worship leader started talking with the elder, asking him for help, and just working through the situation. Well, the story goes that the guy, once he listened to the new songs, he began to like them and embrace them. And the whole thing turned around. And, and then I talked to the guy about a month after that. And he said, man, he's like my biggest supporter now. But here's the thing. Even an elder in a church can get so caught up with your personal preferences that you miss the amazing gift that we have to worship God through song. See, this is the question. Do I worship with a consumerism attitude where I go to the House of Worship Cafe and I pick off the menu? Now, I have my favorites too. It's not wrong to have favorites, okay? And, you know, I'll be honest with you. When I go to a church that has country worship, which some churches do, I struggle a little bit. I do because the picking and grinning worship is just not me. It's not my style. But there's no worship song where I'm to be mute if I'm a believer of Jesus. And the important thing about worship is not the style of worship. Watch this. But the object of our worship. He's given me a voice and he calls us to come together and see if we get his worth. And it shows up in my singing. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about three directions of our song when we gather together for corporate worship. And direction number one When we're singing to God, when we gather together, is we sing up. When we sing up, we're engaging with his worth and his truth. Number one, we sing up. And I get that from the first verse in Psalm 96 that we've already looked at. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. I'm to sing to the Lord. I'm to sing up. And I'm to sing a new song. And you may ask, well, Lenny, how can I sing a new song every week? Can I sing, you know, a song that I sang before? Well, of course you can. But let me tell you something. Every time you sing up, it's a new song because he's infinite. And there's always nuances, you know, regarding his grace and how it showed up in my week. His character and conduct impact me in different ways depending on what I'm dealing with that week. So even though I may have sung the song a hundred times, even though it's the same melody, it is a new song. And the words we sing are to speak of his worth and his truth. And we sing them to him. We sing up. We proclaim his worth and his truth in song. And we're singing to an audience of one. And when a group of Christ followers come together, 
with one united voice, it's amazing. I mean, things change as we are changed by his presence. We actually get to bless God when we sing. And that's such an honor. Now, let me ask you this. What if someone in here had a birthday today? And what if we decided, you know, let's sing happy birthday. And what if when we sang happy birthday, only two people sang, how do you think that person would feel? They'd be like, golly, nobody really cares about my birthday. Well, how do you think God feels? It's kind of the same deal. Do you think they care if your voice is good or not? No, I mean, happy birthday songs are all over the place, flat and sharp and crazy. But it doesn't matter because it's a joyous celebration of that person in their life. It's the same way with worship when we come together. God doesn't care if you're some opera voice or you're great. I can't sing very good. I can play drums, but I can't sing. But it's about coming together to God and just blessing his name, saying we love you, God. This is who you are. We are your followers. We're your children. It's just an amazing thing. It breaks God's heart when we don't love him at that level where we sing. And the reason that it breaks God's heart is not so much it hurting him. It hurts us. And worship and music is our opportunity to tell God just how much I love him. Now, what would my wife think if when I got married, I said, honey, today I said I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. She would probably wouldn't like that too much. Has anyone ever told you they loved you and you responded, you already told me that? No. See, when I sing up, I'm engaging with the worth of who he is and what he does. I'm tracking with his truth. Psalm 34 says this, sing to the Lord, all you godly ones, praise his holy name. And remember, his name represents who he is and what he does. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. Psalm 119, may my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. That's his worth. That's his truth. I'm to sing my theology to God, my belief. And in our culture, we have too many Christians watching worship leaders perform. Did you guys hear that? I'm telling you, in our culture, in church, we have too many worship leaders that are performing and everybody's just standing and watching a performance. And that's not corporate worship. The worship leader's there to lead you into song, to gather the voices together and to help us sing his truth. What does the father of a bride do? See, a worship leader's kind of like the father of a bride in a wedding. And what does the father of the bride do? Well, he walks the bride up to the groom and hands the bride off. And he moves out of the way and lets the bride tell the groom how much she loves him. That's what the worship leader does for us in the church. So when we gather together, our first direction is we always sing up. But there's another direction I get from verse 2. And direction number 2 is we sing in. We're singing upward towards God, but we're singing in towards ourselves. Psalm 96, 2 The second verse is where I get this. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Anybody see optional in this? There's no optional. How about when you feel like it or when you don't feel like it? When it says from day to day, that takes that out of the picture. It's saying sing Bless him, proclaim good tidings of his salvation. Watch this, from day to day. 
When I sing up, it's about his worth and truth. But when I sing in, it's personal. It involves my journey, the brokenness, the beauty. Some of us gather, we're in a beautiful place. We're celebrating. Others are broken, and it's mingled in together, and it's a beautiful thing. Have you ever been hurt so bad that you could not articulate it? But then you hear a song that says what your heart feels. On the flip side, sometimes you're so happy you can't put words to it. And then a song says what your heart is feeling. You just blare it out. I remember recently I was on a road trip and I'm old school. So I got a bunch of CDs and a CD player. And I put in a Boston CD. This classic rock song from Boston comes out and I'm just driving the gator van, blaring at the top of my voice. Now, am I hitting those notes perfectly? Well, if you ever heard Brad Delp from Boston sing, I've actually heard him close up sing. I cannot sing those notes. But you know what? Didn't matter. I was just blaring it, blaring it. It was a powerful moment. Now, you take that and multiply it by 100 when you're singing to God, and you start to understand what happens when you sing in to God. Because, see, watch this. Healing takes place when you sing in to God. Psalm 13 says this, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. Watch this. But I trust in your unfailing love. This is singing in. I, this is a choice, will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. That's brokenness at the beginning, but there's beauty as well. Psalm 9, 1 and 2. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. And sometimes singing corporately gives a voice to my brokenness. Other times, it gives a voice to the beauty in my journey. And in a mysterious way, the intermingling of the two brings me out of brokenness. It can bring healing to my soul. But it's all centered around singing praise to his name. So when I gather together in worship, when we come together to worship God together, we're singing up to him, but we're singing in personally to ourselves. But there's a third direction. I get it from verse 3. Direction number 3, we sing out to one another. Psalm 96, verse 3 in the main text. Tell of his glory among the nations outwards, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. When we come together and sing, we are declaring his glory to other people. Psalm 89, 1 says this, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. See, when we sing, we're not just connecting with God. We're not just connecting with ourselves. We're connecting with others. We're singing out. Our song is to be heard. And when the people of this world hear authentic worship, it impacts them, changes something. In ministry, people give their lives to God after hearing song. I remember many, many years ago when uh, Bill and I worked at the same church and we had a worship service and there was a young lady that was singing, very talented, 
Very talented girl. But afterwards, I met with a guy who was just visiting, and he was going, man, he goes, man, the service really impacted me. And you know what impacted him? I thought it was like the message that our pastor had given him. You know what he said? Because you know that girl up there with glasses? When she was singing, I just knew it was real, and it just impacted me. One of my favorite worship teams is, this is old school, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. It's just something about all those voices. They might not be the technically the greatest worship team, but you get all those voices together with all those stories of transformation and all those testimonies. It's just, I don't know, something just happens when I hear that, when I listen to those guys. In fact, the pastor, Jim Cimbala, written a few books, and I think I've read everything he's ever written. But sometimes when they have a worship service, the choir will be singing, and sometimes on the spot, he'll just stop and go. And he'll go forward, and he'll give an altar call. And people just come forward. No message has been given. It's just because of the singing. The music just impacts them so deeply that people just give their lives to God. See, when the people of God are proclaiming the worth of who he is and what he does, and they mean it, The people around them notice and they want what they have. The way you sing has an impact on the people around you. Anne Lamott, I uh, showed you one of her quotes. She began to get serious with God when she snuck into the back of an old church and listened to them sing. And she wouldn't go all the way in. She wouldn't sit in the chair. She stayed at the door so she could take off if something happened. She wasn't ready for the sermons yet. She said they messed with her too much. So she'd sneak out after the singing. And this is what she wrote in her book, Traveling Mercies. She says, it was the singing that pulled me in and split me wide open. I could sing better here than I ever had before. As a part of these people, even though I stayed in the doorway... I did not recognize my voice or know where it was coming from, but sometimes I felt like I could just sing forever. Eventually, a few months after I started coming, I took a seat in one of the folding chairs off by myself. Then the singing enveloped me. It was fury and resonant, coming from everyone's very heart. There was no sense of performance or judgment, only that the music was breath and food. Something inside me that was stiff and rotting would feel soft and tender. Somehow the singing wore down all the boundaries and distinctions that kept me so isolated. Sitting there, standing with them to sing, sometimes so shaky and sick that I felt like I might tip over, I felt bigger than myself, like I was being taken care of, watch this, tricked into coming back to life. Anne Lamont, Traveling Mercies. Ephesians 5.19, Paul writes this, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Psalm 57.9, I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. And here's my message. It's, it's pretty simple, but it's profound, and it's life-changing. When we gather together on Sunday... And we pray and we learn from the word. One of the most powerful things that happens is when we join our voices together as one. We sing up, we sing in, and we sing out. Pray with me.
Father, we just thank you so much that you have given us the amazing gift of music. Father, thank you that you have given all of us a voice, Lord, to praise you, to bless you, and to change each and every one of us. Lord, help us to remember that when we come together to worship you, yes, Lord, theology is important. Yes, Lord, prayer is important. But singing your truth upward, inward, and outward can change everything. Father, we need your help to do this, Lord. We pray that your spirit would guide us in this truth. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.